Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Hiya, Zoe from Wildest here on Soho Radio. Thanks for checking out the sesh. So I'm going to play out a few tunes that I personally love. And I thought as a nice addition, just because I haven't really spoken to many humans in the last year, as most of us have experienced, I'm sure, I thought it would be nice to reach out to a couple of these musicians and have a little chat about the respective song that I'm going to play out and what it means to them. It's been a crazy year for musicians, I'm sure, and live music in general obviously hasn't existed at all. But it's really nice to see that a lot of my favourite musicians have been really productive in this time, making music so we can all enjoy that. I guess I should start by sparing a moment to plug my own album, which has just been released. It came out on May the 28th and it was a lockdown album. I started writing and recording it at the beginning of lockdown and I finished it at the end of 2020. And now it is finally coming out and it's very exciting. My album is called Monthly Friend and it's available on vinyl and digitally online. If you want to check it out, that would be great. I'd love to know what you think about it. So without further ado, we'll dive in. And I was lucky enough to chat to someone that I've admired for quite a few years after seeing her play with Bombay Bicycle Club and then checking out her solo stuff. I actually played with her when I first started Wildest, actually, at the Line of Best Fit five-day forecast in the Lexington. I think it was going maybe 2015 and she was playing in a project that she was in back then called Cash and David. Since then, I've been following Liz's musical journey and her most recent release, Where the Bodies Are Buried, is one of my favourites. It's a beautifully polished pop banger with some vocoder action, which I really enjoy. Really, really digging this tune. I think it's her unique blend of pop. Here it is. love that tune that is an absolute banger so catchy Liz is actually playing a few shows later on this year she's going to be doing some festivals on the circuit I for one am really excited to see her at All Points East so yeah check it out here's Liz talking about where the bodies are buried where the bodies are buried the energy that I'm trying to put across with that song is one of admiration for people power the thrill mm. that I get from seeing people come together particularly in acts of protest and then it's sort of imagery that it's it's contrasted with is this sort of character of um 1960s oppressed housewife who's sort of finding mm. minute like domestic ways in which to um in enact or or embody her rage um, mm. with the systems I hear that lines like the dinners and the dog it's kind of like a domestic setting but 
like with a deeper meaning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I feel like when, you know, we were all in lockdown, the domestic sphere was our whole world at that point. There's a lot of credit to be given to the domestic space. I feel like it's still kind of mm. seen as a female space and therefore like not particularly interesting or worth yeah. um, like looking at in an artistic way. But actually, you know, when we were living there, I was like, oh, you, you know, this, the home has a lot of, you know, meaning. Yeah, women in the home isn't so much of a thing, especially like in big cities. No women I know living in London are going to end up like that, I'm pretty sure. So Yeah, I think that's I think that kind of urban uh, assessment is really important because I moved from mm. London halfway through last year back to my hometown where it is oh, yeah. unbelievably conventional like mm. the majority of people I see in the daytime are women with children it's interesting I think that the ideas whilst they're available to people aren't mm. necessarily being picked up and I think that's fantastic people have choice but I'm, I'm kind of still interested in what the barriers are so I'm going to chat to an artist next who I've admired for a few years after discovering him on Bandcamp. It was 2018. I was on my way to South by Southwest to play in the festival. And I was kind of flicking through Bandcamp and I found an artist called Tyler Buckhart, who has relentlessly been releasing album after album for the past few years. And I've kept a tab on everything he's released. And I love it all. Bedroom DIY, cinematic gorgeous music and I reached out to Tyler and asked if he could tell me a little bit about one of my favorite tunes on his new album a box full of stars called don't my birdie sing well thank you so much I appreciate it box full of stars was a combination of new work and old work um, and don't my birdie sing was an old song so I've had that for maybe like three or four years and I couldn't figure out how to set up the instruments in a way that I wanted to and some songs are like that. It feels like they take a longer, I'm sure you know, like mm. it just takes a long time to figure out what the end product should be. Do you mean um, like sort of you've written a song like in its raw format and then you're deciding whether to have drums or bass or guitar yes. over the top or keep it yes. very raw? That song started with acoustic guitar and the words. Mm. And then I added the other instruments, but it took a long time to figure out exactly what, what the song should say. Yeah, that was just kind of like a, a reflective song. I feel like a lot of my songs are reflective uh, and just mm. written about considering the past and kind of hoping for the future. I guess I get from your lyrics that you sort of write stories and do you draw upon your personal feelings mm -hmm. or experiences? Yeah, the core emotion of the song is uh, is a personal thing. But then I also try to write it in such a way that other people can hear it and put their own history into it. So really just trying to get to like the core of what that feeling is or mm. what that memory is and, and see if there's space there for other people to, to experience it too. I guess you kind of explore kind of metaphors and things. So it's not like you're not directly mm -hmm. saying, I don't know if the song's about your dog that died. You're not going, my dog died. You're more like yeah. talking about the feeling that you felt when the dog died. So yeah. people can take that and be like, apply it to whatever they're feeling. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I love about other music so much. And I'm sure you feel the same way that you listen to something and you see something of yourself in it. That's just like fascinating to me that we can listen to other people's music and feel a connection to it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like the place I'm trying to get to.
So that's Tyler Buckhart. I would urge you to check out his archive, his treasure trove of music. Absolutely beautiful stuff. Keep a tab on him. So next up, we have an artist who I discovered through my label and she's from LA. She's called Ayo Gerber. Uh, I was taken aback by her voice, her lyric writing, just the sonic soundscapes that she created with her album, Another Place to Need. I haven't put it down in the last year. It was released almost a year ago and it's been on a heavy rotation for me. The song that I have chosen to play out is a song called All I've Known. It's track eight on the album. Every song is gorgeous. But this one, just for some reason, I was drawn to it and I had it on repeat for more than the others. So I got Olivia on a little Zoom call and had a little chat about the album in its entirety and in particular, All I've Known. So here she is. It's one of the earliest songs that I wrote for the record, you know, before I knew it would be a record. And I actually wrote it kind of as an assignment for a songwriting workshop or circle that I was a part of when I first moved to LA, like now five years ago or something. Yeah. And I, the, the assignment was just to kind of, you had to show up with new material and that I never really write like that. And mm-hmm. um, so it was kind of written under duress, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. um, but it did just kind of come out. But I think because of writing it in that way and kind of being like compelled to complete a song, um, I think it, when I delivered it, it felt very unfinished because I kind of just had, you know, all of that part, all of what was written lyrically before the kind of big outro. And so when I went in to record it, I wasn't sure whether I felt like I needed to write a last part or whether, or what I was going to do with it. Um, And I think in the, when we first started recording it, we kind of thought, well, it doesn't have a bridge or anything. So let's just kind of noodle around with some instrumental stuff. Um, And then as we kind of just like kind of lazily put some stuff down, I think it kind of, uh, I, I got inspired and realized like, oh, wait, this is kind of an opportunity to do something more compositional or instrumental, um, which is another part of my background, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it became really fun to just treat it as almost a two-part song and not write, you know, a traditional bridge or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's the kind of more musical background to it. I guess what it's about is looking back on your own kind of personal history or relationships and kind of feeling frustrated about who you are or where you're at, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of in how you relate to others and just kind of acknowledging that you couldn't really do it any differently at this point because you've only been operating from the experiences that you've had and what you've learned over time. So kind of just reflecting on the kind of repetition of old patterns and wounds again and again um, in a way that can be really frustrating, but also just kind of trying to have some acceptance around that and some catharsis, I guess. Yeah. Is it kind of written from like personal experience or is it sort of more of an idea or? uh... Yeah, definitely personal. Um, I think lyrically, it's maybe one of the more like obtuse songs I've ever Mm. written because I kind of was just writing from a feeling. So I guess lyrically, it's not really directly speaking to any one particular relationship or example, but I think kind of more the feeling of the cumulative impact of Mm. feeling like you're like kind of going through the same thing again and again. Um, How does that fit into the whole album, Another Place to Need entirely? Is that, Mm. is it kind of a theme that runs through or is it, is every song sort of about something different? 
Yeah. You know, I think the biggest theme for me on the record was the idea of kind of the difference between reality and fantasy. I've kind of struggled in my life with, you know, um, well, both both struggled and also like found a lot of joy in fantasy, you know, and kind of like mm-hmm. imagined realities um, and used that as escape a lot. But I think there can be a lot of frustration or pain when you kind of recognize the gap between like what's actual and what's desired. And so I think a lot of the album as a whole is reckoning with the way that kind of living in those spaces of fantasy can be detrimental or harmful. And I think all I've known kind of speaks to that in terms of that being one of my patterns, you know, that I that I kind of return to. All those vocals at the end, just so dreamy, so beautiful. That is A.O. Gerber. And that was all I've known. So next up, we have a musician that I've known for a little while now. He was part of a five-piece band called Swimming Tapes, someone that I admire greatly musically. So Lou is taking a little break from Swimming Tapes. They're they're not over. They're, They're just taking a little break. And he is now recording his own stuff under his own name, Lou Price. And I'm really enjoying the vibe of his first song that he's put out. I caught up with Lou and we had a little chat about Love Can Pass You By and how it was written and what it means to him. Love Can Pass You By is I think it has like a couple of meanings to it to me I mean obviously there's just the generic sort of chorus what does the chorus lyric mean and I think like in this world at the minute there's lots of hate there's lots of extreme views on everything everyone either sits on an extreme right side or an extreme left side or you know everything's very extreme and we've lost a lot of you know center middle ground stuff Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot a lot more that we have in common than than what divides us, I think, as the human species. We're all trying to, to get through this, you know. It doesn't matter where you live on the planet, really. You know, we're all just trying to deal with the human experience, right, which can be very challenging. Yeah. Uh, and so I think I just had that, that chorus line. I'm like, that's a nice sentiment, and it sort of means something to me. And then whenever I sat down to write the song, it sort of went a bit deeper, and I sort of explored things about my, my sort of... Uh, childhood and uh, breakup mm. of my parents marriage and sort of looking at their lives and how it's found out and unfortunately I come from like many people probably of my age divorced a divorced situation in my family life which was horrible and it happened young and my parents still don't talk to each other you know they oh, really? haven't spoken to mm. each other yeah they haven't spoken to each other since I was nine but this is you know I'm sure this is quite a common thing you know I'm, I definitely well, I think it psychologically can affect us you know it can really make us kind of scared and that's that's sort of that's that's what I delved into on it I think you know that's going very deep into the song (laughs) um Mm -hmm. but it's yeah it definitely it's probably one of the most meaningful songs I think I've ever written do you think um the 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 solo thing going solo and, and having a new project has 
influenced you to sort of be a bit more intimate with it? Maybe with swimming tapes, you were writing as like a collaboration a bit more. So maybe now you're owning it, you're able to put yourself into it a bit more? Or? Definitely. I think that's that's sort of, it's 100% right, Zoe. And that's not, that's, you know, swimming tapes is so good in other ways. It's, it's a collective. It's five people coming together to create something. But, you know, a lot of the time, me and Robbie will sit down and write the lyrics together. And so it can be hard to delve too deep into a very you know personal subject whenever you're just sat there mm-hmm. and you're like you know it's you know something that you do by yourself and you know mm-hmm. I don't know it's it can be difficult this is definitely the first time I felt comfortable to put sort of some feelings like that down in a song which is really nice song love can pass you by it's a beautiful sentimental tune very intimate and you really get to know Lou as a songwriter so next up I'm going to play a song by a brand new artist who I met a few years ago after seeing her live with a band that she's one half of called Dharma Scout so this is my friend Eva she has recently released her first single under her new project Moiji and I have to say that it's such an interesting song. It's really exciting. It's really different. I haven't heard anything like it. It's very dark, very seductive, beautifully produced. Eva actually told me about her musical journey, how she's been learning Ableton and how it has guided her songwriting. I haven't included it in the interview, but we talked about how wonderful mashed potato is and how much, you know, there should be more of it. There should be more of it in cafes. I think it's the best thing to do with a potato. But anyway, without further ado, here is my interview with Eva. With Poor Brain, the drums were just programmed as like the 808 drums. And like, I just love weird things. <laughs> not not that it's weird, but like I would put... Quite weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, put, I basically put it down an octave and slowed it right down that was what I did with the guitar as well just because I like wanted yeah I just wanted something that was a bit dark so yeah like there's something about pitching things down it has like an ethereal quality to it which I really like and this sounds weird but like it kind of it's like you're listening to a memory or something in the last year during lockdown I was furloughed I've been wanting to sort of teach myself how to produce and I started chatting to the other Ableton users and just taught myself and yeah, just sort of wrote a few tunes and and yeah, now it's out into the world. And it's on Father Daughter Records, which is cool. I love that label. Yeah, I was so pumped they were up for uh, releasing it because I was just going to self-release. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised. It's really different and the lyrics are so like dark and like eerie and kind of seductive and I don't know whether that's intentional but that's that's horror seeps the lingers Uh, well it's interesting you said it's got a seductive but eerie feeling because like that's kind of what it grew out of like that was the sort of intention around the whole song was to sort of create this world that was kind of like part romance but also part nightmare also part like dreamland and it's I guess it's about dealing with like grief and anxiety and the things we do to sort of like self-medicate but yeah it's interesting you mentioned the strings because like from the very beginning I wanted strings in it um and I had been listening to a lot of Scott Walker 
uh, particularly Scott Three album. I just loved um, like the sort of high string pedals in his songs that kind of like go on forever. And I got to work with a great friend of mine who lives in Mull in Scotland. Yeah, those strings in the end there. Wow. And those very punchy drums that kind of slam you in the chest when you're listening. Absolutely beautiful tune. I cannot wait to hear more from Moiji. Eva sort of mentioned and she did, she was kind of cagey about it, but she will be releasing more music soon. And potentially there will be more music from Dharma Scout. And that's all I can say, but I'm very excited about it. Can't wait to see them live again. And I can't wait to see what Eva does live with Moiji. So that's it for the interview section of this sesh. I didn't have time to interview anyone else. I mean, Dua Lipa was banging down my door and I was like, no, no, Dua, I've got enough to get through. So you'll have to wait your turn, maybe next time. But anyway, for the rest of the show, I'm going to be playing out a bunch of tunes that I've been digging recently. Please check out all the artists that I've mentioned. Check out my album. I have to say that I hate talking about myself, but you know, someone's got to plug me. And I really hope you enjoy the playlist. See you soon.